Imagine getting 24 hours notice that your wedding needs to be moved and reorganized. That's what happened to a young Winnipeg couple after the Fort Gibraltar situation. There was that big accident, that unfortunate accident that happened last week, but the decision wasn't made to close the whole facility until 24 hours before their wedding. Well, we'll speak to one of the people who sprung into action to make sure that they still had a perfect day. Bob Irving joined us on the big golf shocker. The PGA and DP World Tour are merging with Saudi backed Live Golf. And inspired by the last minute wedding switcheroo, we asked you about your last minute changes. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, June 7th podcast for the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In case you missed it in Skyler's news, Skyler Peters in for Sarah McCarthy, or you just sort of need a recap of, of what he said. A big situation on Main Street, Mackling, after a two vehicle crash. This from Winnipeg Police, their Twitter account saying traffic alert, both northbound and southbound Main Street. Closed to all traffic. That's between Kilbride and Hartford Avenues. Please use an alternate route. Closure will be several hours and will affect morning rush hour. That tweet uh, just after 5 a.m., almost exactly one hour ago. So we're just uh, really just getting into this closure uh, that could last several hours. So if you are north of those areas or trying to get north of those areas and typically use Main Street, that's a no-go this morning. That's a tough one. That is for all for because that that's just uh, south of Kildonan Park. So I mean, I guess what's your best option if you're coming from north of that? To, you have to deke off to Chief Pegwas Trail, I guess. Or I guess I mean, typically, if you're coming south, say from West St. Paul, and you're using Main Street to come into downtown, typically, uh, you might want to use McPhillips. Using Henderson Highway, I guess, is an option, but you're obviously coming further east to get south, but that's just the reality of the situation this morning. I know this is the way we, uh, Jackie would normally get to work would be the other way would be to take Chief Pegwas Trail to Main Street and then mm. get down and across uh, typically somewhere else. So, yeah, this is going to cause a ton of problems for uh, lots of folks. So we'll uh, we'll endeavor to learn uh, exactly what's going on there. But in the meantime, avoid the area because you're not getting through. All right. So, and if anything changes on that front, of course, we will let you know. But uh, one of the things we're going to be discussing today in further detail at 6.35, and it actually at 6.45, has to do with the last second change for some uh, happy newlyweds. So we're going to share the story of a couple that was supposed to get married at Fort Gibraltar last weekend. That's, of course, the site that uh, had the walkway collapse when kids were on it with a school field trip. It's been shut down We don't know when it will reopen. We haven't been given a new date for that. And so there are brides and grooms right across the city and province that are being told that their special day planned for this weekend, next weekend, maybe even beyond that, will have to move elsewhere. And so we're going to share their story about how uh, they managed and how the folks that were making arrangements for them uh, stepped in to help them have their wedding day still be special on Saturday. But we're also just going to talk about, you know, the idea of... uh, You have a big day, whether it's your wedding, it could be 
um, graduation. It could be anything. You have a big plan coming down the pipe and promises are made and contractors sign and then life happens. And how do you deal with that? And, and what would your expectations be of a business to deal with that? Yeah. And we've seen, of course, through the pandemic, uh, all the travel challenges that we've seen, how many times over the last several years, uh, whether it's a strike, a possible strike, a pilot shortage, technology failure. There's a long list of reasons why people have had their their dream vacations go sort of go awry. So yeah, we can talk a little bit about how do you deal with that? How have you dealt with it? What have you encountered in your life? All right, and at 6.45, we'll tell, we'll tell you how that's going to tie in with a chance to win tickets to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this Friday season opener at against, pardon me, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We've also got tickets to give away to see the Sea Bears, the Winnipeg Sea Bears, some pro basketball, uh, Vancouver Bandits in town on June 21st, and at 7.15, it's the Country Fest Code of the Day. And again, if you got yesterday's code, you got to enter it at cjob.com for a chance to win some passes. And then at 8.35, Mackling, Bob Irving is going to join us. I have him listed on our sheet as sports guy, and hater of live golf, and he he was on, he was on with Christian O'Mel last night on the CJOB Sports Show, but I didn't catch that. So we're just going to get it straight from the horse's mouth. He must have some interesting thoughts in this whole merger between the PGA and Live Golf and the Euro PGA European Tour, etc. He'll uh, he'll present it a lot better than I will. I'm I'm sickened. I'm bothered by this flip of position by the PGA Tour. You can't say the things in my mind. In my opinion, you can't say the things that that Commissioner Jay Monahan of the PGA Tour has said, and then basically a year and a bit later, turn around and say, oh, no, you know what? We're actually going to go into business with these people because this has been a morality question in his mind, or at least he's presented it that way. He's tugged on the heartstrings of Americans. He's used uh, victims' families uh, from 9-11 as uh, as what appears to be now props and pawns in order to get his points across. And some of the top golfers in the world stood up and said, no, I'm not joining Live Golf. Well, how do they feel now that this has happened? They took a stand against sports washing and Live and Saudi Arabia and all the things that the bad things that Live was uh, supposed to stand for. And now they're just getting right back. They're getting into bed with them Well, th- as a business partner. Like, are you kidding me? That's why it's hard to understand because they're funded entirely by the wealth investment fund of the Saudi regime or government, right? And so that that money for all live comes directly from a country that's had widespread human rights abuses and allegations made against it. That's why there was that ethical, I wouldn't sign up for them because I don't want to support that, or I wouldn't join them because I don't want to support that. Now you're working together. So you wonder how some of the golfers who might be on the PGA side who chose not to go would feel about that. Not to mention there's a wide discrepancy between the money being paid to these golfers on either tours. They're not. Like, how do you bridge them together? Live golfers are making way more. Some of them got, uh, Brett, some of them got, what, 20, 30, 40 million dollars to jump ship, right? Uh, uh, over uh, 100 million in some cases. I think, didn't DJ get 150, Dustin Johnson or Phil Mickelson? There were, and there were some rumors that were floating yesterday that had uh, Hideki Matsuyama made the jump, he would have gotten 300 million or 400 million. Tiger Woods was offered 800 yeah. million dollars to make the jump and said no. Not doing it. Yeah. And now 
Now what? So there's supposed to be more details coming today. I think right ahead of is it the Canadian Open that's this weekend? Canadian and Open so is this weekend. People yeah. were also upset about that. It's the Canadian Open gets the shaft again. It gets well, overshadowed by all of maybe, this. Maybe maybe not. I mean, how? When's the last time that the Canadian Open's had this many eyes on it? Yeah, because it was last year where Dustin Johnson, I think, was the first big uh, bailout. Right. Because this is kind of when that drama started to really unfold. Mackling McGarry and McNabb coming up in our next segment. We're going to tell you how you can win yourself some tickets for Friday's bomber game season opener against Hamilton. And then after seven o'clock, should we be wearing our sunglasses, wearing our shades year round, Loren? Well, there's growing evidence that we should. And I, and I was going to say, you know, I often, I put SBF on year round. Like it's on my face and arms every single day of the week. Yep. And I always forget my sunglasses. I go through like three pairs a year. I never pay more than 15 bucks for them because I'm always losing them. But I, I, I put them on because I don't like the glare. I'm not once thinking I should put this on for the state of my eyes ever. That's not why I put them on. Like, it's because I can see better, but I'm not thinking about seeing better in the long term. Yeah, well, I do think about it, and I don't have sunglasses because I have bifocals because I'm not that age where I need these very expensive lenses. And for me to get custom lenses or, you know, to get custom sunglasses with my prescription, it's over 700 bucks. It's expensive. And so I go without, but I would really like to... For protecting my eyes, my stepmom has serious eye issues, so I can see what it what it does. So that that's frustrating that it's so expensive. Okay, so that's coming up just after Global News at seven. But right now, we want to talk about a Winnipeg couple who celebrated a perfect wedding despite a last minute relocation. Yeah, so they learned uh, with just hours to spare that their dream venue wouldn't be able to host their wedding after that incident at Fort Gibraltar. And so they had about 24 hours to organize something new. We get more on what happened from Global News anchor Kevin Hirschfield. Jeff Sinock and Desiree Penner were supposed to get married at Fort Gibraltar last week, but after that collapse of a platform that left 17 students and one adult injured, the city forced all events at that venue to be cancelled. So Sinoc and Penner were among the many affected by sudden changes in their plans. But Sinoc says the team behind Gibraltar Dining Corporation rose to the challenge and organized their wedding from scratch. I don't think they slept for a couple days straight just to accommodate, just to make sure that our wedding was going to be what we wanted it to be. And all along, that they never panicked. They even said to us several times, you're... You will have a wedding. It's going to be good. We will make it good for you. Sinoc and his wife were informed of the changes on Thursday afternoon. And by Friday, they had a new venue, the St. Norbert Arts Centre. A team of 13 led by Sean Branson and his wife, Connie, managed to turn things around and make do with what they could. We worked out some plans, different plans. We were aware we catered before at St. Norbert's Arts Centre. And we knew that there was the possibility of a kitchen there. Um, so we um, found out, we click, quickly went uh, to the center. Now the Gibraltar Dining Corporation is working with its other clients to relocate their events. While it's unclear when Fort Gibraltar will reopen, Branson says he and his team should know more by the end of the month. Global News still has yet to hear back from the city and Fort Gibraltar on what the next steps are for the venue. 
I'd like to say this surprises me or surprised me when I heard this story, but that's just the nature of hospitality professionals, people who are in this industry. There's always a way to get it done. There's always a way to accommodate a situation, whether it's a change in numbers, a complete disaster or somewhere in between. And we'll speak with Sean Branson later on this morning about everything that went on behind the scenes and the challenges of making these changes, Loren, but this is uh, just, uh, I mean, I can't but imagine being on the other side of it. <laughs> as I as I put my restaurant hat on, I take it off and I go, boy, Thursday afternoon, I don't have a venue for my wedding that's in 24 hours. Yeah, and I think in that moment, if you could find any venue, like I think the way you would react to that would depend on where you are in that timeline. So if you phone me up Thursday and say my wedding that's taking place 24 hours later needs to have a venue change, all you're thinking is, I don't care where this happens, let's make this happen in the days and weeks ahead, depending on how long this closure goes on, you might have bigger expectations. If you're a bride that gets the phone call and says, we're moving to your wedding because now you have days and weeks to maybe look into that. So the way they all reacted and pulled together, um, I think is kind of cool. And I, you know, I, every wedding I've been to, including my own has something that didn't go right. And it becomes part of the story. And so if you can react to that time, I know that's hard. Like you're in it and you're spending thousands of dollars potentially on something. And you think, well, I want it to go the way I planned. And I want it to be for what I paid for. The cost and the contract you have is a different thing. But the wedding, you know, I walked down the aisle right at 1 p.m. sharp and got to the front and my little brother comes running out. He's like, ah, the priest is not ready. Like he just got here. And I just on the whole walk down, I'm like, do I get to do the walk again? Like, Let's do the walk again. <laughs> I was at a wedding just two weeks ago. Halfway through the fire alarm goes off in the church because the incense they were using oh, in this basilica yes. was so intense that it set off the fire alarm. Sure. Fire uh, fires show up and I said I hope someone's getting a picture with the firefighters right now like make it part of your story Absolutely. And, and sure enough the mother of the groom is down there posing with the firefighters and I thought you know that's you know you, you have to react and and it's a setup for life would I be disappointed would I be mad at, at different things going on around my venue probably but you had said earlier if you're getting married and you're 25 30 years old this is how life goes. This is how life goes I've told the story that on our wedding day uh, between our our ceremony and our reception, our wedding was uh, just off of Henderson Highway. Our reception was at Fort Gary. A uh, Santa Claus parade <laughs> dividing our guests from where most of them lived and where most of them were. And the reception, we almost ran out, ran out of alcohol for the whole night <laughs> during the what was supposed to be the cocktail party. Because only half the people that were supposed to be at the wedding for the dinner and the reception were there when dinner was supposed when we were supposed to sit down for dinner because we didn't know mm -hmm. that the Santa Claus parade was on. So that almost cost us uh, a little bit of money with regard to close the bar. <laughs> Stop <laughs> serving alcohol. We must preserve the alcohol for later on in the night. So it worked out all right. One of our listeners just said now, Brett, at my wedding, my sister's hair caught on fire <gasps> with one of the candles when we were signing our marriage papers. <laughs> So maybe you wear it as a badge, like you know, it's a it's a good luck start to the to life. Yeah, if your wedding goes off without a hitch, is that ominous? <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're talking last minute changes, last minute change of plans after this wedding. We just shared the story about this wedding that had to be rescheduled last minute because of the situation at Fort Gibraltar. And uh, by the sounds of it, the wedding was perfect. 
but I'm sure it was a stressful time for all involved, the planners and the participants alike. So a 204-780-6868 for a chance to win yourself. Some Winnipeg Blue Bombers tickets for Friday's game against Hamilton, the season opener. Tell us your story about last-minute changes of plan. Cameron Fortress, why don't we start with you, sir? Uh, well, it was one of my many moves. This one um, was in Merritt, and... Uh I, I was moving from one apartment to the other when I when I used to when I used to work there, and I booked a, a U-Haul to to get me from one place to the other. And I went down to the office and I said, "All right, here's my here's my my booking." Yeah, we don't have it. They didn't have a truck in in the entire thing. And I said, "Well, it's, it was sort of like a Jerry Seinfeld situation where he goes to get the rental car and they didn't have the rental car." It's like you you know how to take. The reservation. You just don't know how to hold the reservation. And that's the most important part of the reservation. Anybody can take reservations. Um, but uh, so I was obviously very, very ticked off. I stormed out of there. I said, what the heck am I going to do? Um, so anyways, I called up a friend uh, in town there and I said, listen, you got to there's there's one in Kamloops. You got to drive me up to north up to Kamloops. And, uh, so he's like, well, you know, I get off work. I don't get off work until around four 30. And I'd booked that entire day off to move, uh, because the first of the month landed right in the middle of the, of the month. And, um, so, and I had to change, I didn't have enough money to hold on to anything. So I ended up, uh, I ended up, he having to wait till four 30 and then my move lasted until like one or 2 AM. Cause I was just by myself. Um, he had some, he had a kid and he had to take care of him. So he couldn't help me out or anything like that. Not that I would have asked him. Um, but it was like a two, it was like till 2 AM. I was just sweating and gross <laughs> and terrible. I got it done, but it was not fun. Where did you, what kind of, did you, you had to get your, sorry, you got a U-Haul truck after all? Uh, yeah, I had to go to Kamloops okay. to get it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good Lord, man. And well, good for you for pushing through that. The man. moral of the story though, Cam is. Hold on to the, re- hold on to <laughs> reservations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the real moral of the story. Exactly. Skylar Peters in for Sarah McCarthy. What's, what you got? Uh, 2014, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, Crocus Plains High School hockey trip. We, you know, obviously rent a bus once we get there and we were going to our game and we pulled into the rink and we checked the whiteboard and our team was not assigned a dressing room and, uh, our bus driver drove us to the wrong rink all the way across town. Um, so we got back on the bus and quickly figured it out and he was, he was hauling pretty pretty good <laughs> i wasn't checking the speedometer or anything but it might have been the slightest bit illegal and we got there and i remember uh, walking into the rink and the other team's already on the ice for warm-up and we just you know you know, threw our stuff on and you know i think three guys got to maybe touch pucks during warm-up and the game started and we ended up scoring with eight seconds left and one two one and uh, that advanced us to the final and i vividly remember the goalie just turning around and two-handing his stick over the crossbar oh, and breaking boy. it in half after allowing uh, our game-winning goal. And then we gave our bus driver, uh, I think his name was, oh, was like Craig, or I can't remember, but gave him a hard hat for hardest-working player of the game. <laughs> we gave it to him after, and he started crying. It was Aww. it was just the best thing. So. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, my buddy's wedding. We were at the Holiday Inn um, for just for the, some pictures before the wedding, and... You know, to get dressed up and ready to go. And we had to go to Assiniboine Park. So the shuttle is coming to get us to take us to Assiniboine Park for the wedding. And uh, we're like, okay, where he's supposed to be here. Where is he? Well, he went to the Holiday Inn on Portage. We were on South Pembina. <laughs> so if memories, I, I, it was a kind of a scramble. I think we ended up just driving ourselves 
to the park to get because we wouldn't have made it in time because he was halfway across town. So they are stressful indeed. He did not get any hard hat. Uh, <laughs> I, I, no think, I think he gave a refund. Um, Forty, what you got? Uh, every year, me and my friends, we uh, do a trip up to the cabin and we just uh, hang out there just at Winnipeg Beach. And we had plans to go downtown, check out a band, go to the bar and uh, grab a bite to eat downtown. While one of my friends ended up getting getting a little sick, just had a, had a, like a stomach bug and uh, just wasn't feeling well. So we said, no, we're not going downtown. So we ended up running to the store quickly, grabbing a steak and doing a barbecue and making some food at the cottage. And we thought we we're doing a nice thing. And <laughs> the next day she goes, you know, I wish you guys just went downtown because you guys annoyed the hell out of me. You guys give me a headache because once you have a few bevies, you know, you start, you know, ah, you know, you're yelling. And she's like, yeah, you guys so should just went downtown. So we, we, our plans to go downtown. We didn't go downtown, but we should have went downtown. <laughs> it was a whole thing. Mackling, what you got? Mine involves moving as well, moving to Calgary in 1999. I moved into an apartment sight unseen. I trusted my buddy and his wife to go look for apartments for me. Uh, living in downtown Calgary, 1313, 13th Avenue Southwest. Timu Solani fan. It worked very well for me. I was on 14th me. Southwest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I think we were pretty much neighbors, Cam. Yeah. And so uh, they said, yeah, you, you know, I need this place for... Uh, November, uh, December 1st. Oh no, that's no good because, uh, we have to, we have to change the kitchen or whatever for January 1st. Okay, fine. So I move, my buddy says you can live with me. No problem. So I stay with my buddy way out in Rocky Ridge, as opposed to having a six minute commute to work. I had a 46 minute (laughs) commute to work for a month. I move all my stuff in. I had to store my stuff for a month. They move in. I go in and there's no, no new kitchen. They hadn't done anything for that entire month. I was paying all this extra money to store my stuff, extra money and time commuting to the suburbs. Yeah. The manager comes, he goes, oh, um, don't put your stuff away. We're coming to change the kitchen tomorrow. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Loren, what do you got? Uh, so this also involves my wedding and it, it's become the thing that it's actually was the best part of it. But we... We're living in Israel. We were getting married in Cuba. We had our flights all booked. Everything's all organized. And I get a uh, message from the wedding person in at the resort saying, by the way, you know that you aren't legally married when you get married in a church in Cuba. Like, this is the different rules. And I was like, what? Um, and so we'd already booked our flights. We couldn't make, we, we were like, okay, I guess we, could, we can't get married in Toronto afterwards. That's the city we're flying flu- through. I really didn't want to go through the whole week of having a wedding, but not actually being legally yeah. married and so I was all stressed about it and then we just decided we, we were coming into Toronto a day early we'd get married in Toronto and not tell anybody and I was like I don't like this I wanted to be official in the church I was all upset about it we go to City Hall in Toronto we get in there and uh, this couple comes right up to us and it's this Jewish couple who had just come from Israel they lived in Israel yeah. and Canada asked us to be the witnesses at their civil wedding even though we didn't know them and then they were ours in reverse and it's turned out to be this secret like this story that nobody knew about uh, that was this own special day where we got married and then got married again in the church and it just had all this sort of serendipitous stuff to it that made it really awesome. I was all stressed about how was I going to be legally married? What about the church? And it was, we now have two dates and I get to say to my husband every once in a while on the 16th, which is not our church date, it's our legal date. Happy anniversary. Did you not get me anything? <laughs> oh, come on. He's all, every year he's like, yeah. which date are we picking this Double year? Dipper. Are we doing the 16th? <laughs> are we doing like, what is your deal? And I like to mix it. I don't, 
I, I like Keep to mix it up. Toes. Oh, Keep yeah. him on his toes. Keep him on his toes. Should have one ready for the 16th. Should no just always what. be ready. Today <laughs> might be the day. <laughs> Jeez. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, we're going to talk about cataracts and the push to wear sunglasses year-round. But before that, reminder that we've got bomber tickets to give away. We're asking you to tell us about your last-minute change of plans, whether it was your change or someone else's change. What happened (laughs) at this wedding, Greg? Well, this is a headline. This is all they sent us. I want to know more. Listener says, due to circumstances beyond their control, my friend's wedding feast ended up being KFC. Doesn't sound all that bad to me. (laughs) I want to know how they got there. (laughs) Yeah. And was there enough gravy? Yeah. Then then otherwise it's a catastrophe. It's a calamity. I think people would be pumped to have that at a wedding. It'd be something different. You just need a lot of napkins. Yeah. Like everybody always gets excited. You know, no one gets excited over the chicken at the dinner. But they get excited about the poutine bar. Oh, heck, I've stayed, I've stayed for weddings where I was exhausted. I was like, I want to go home. But man, that poutine bar is only 90 minutes away. Yeah. You're full of all right. You're full from dinner, but you got to stay for the poutine. Uh, so, yes, let us know more about this KFC situation. And uh, we'll pick a winner at 9.15. And a reminder, the Country Fest code of the day is coming up in our next segment for a chance to win passes to go to Dolphins Country Fest. So cataracts are the leading cause of vision loss. And yet a new survey shows we are not doing... We're just not doing enough to protect our eyes. Yeah, we talked about how sunglasses can play such a big role. And I had said I put SPF on every single day, but I don't think to grab my sunglasses the same way I do my sunscreen. I know sunscreen can help with skin cancer. Well, sunglasses can help with all sorts of vision problems. Dr. Phil Hooper is the president of the Canadian Ophthalmological Society and joins us now. Good morning, Dr. Hooper. Good morning. So part of your survey showed that, you know, 38% of us aren't really familiar with cataracts. So let's help those in that category out. What are they? Cataract is uh, a clouding of the lens in the eye, which focuses the light on the back of the eye where we do our seeing. And that clouding, in most cases, develops very slowly over many years. So people aren't even aware of it developing until it really starts to affect vision. And so how does it impact your vision? What what are you seeing if you're, you know, dealing with cataracts, Dr. Hooper? often notice it most uh, or initially rather when they're driving at night and they start to see halos around lights. Uh, They may have difficulty in focusing in dim light. It's usually a a low light situation that people first become aware of. So how do sunglasses help in this situation then with cataracts? The The most common form of cataract develops as a result of light rays over many years, causing a change in the protein of the lens, which makes it yellow and change uh, its focusing ability. And because uh, it is a light exposure thing, if we block the blue and ultraviolet um, rays from the sun, we can slow that oxidation process down. The goal in slowing it down, the sunglasses would help. And so it, much like sunscreen, should we be doing this at a young age? Because in your survey, it showed only a third of people responding had their children regular, regularly wearing sunglasses. So should I be at age, what age should I be saying, hey, put these on every single day? As soon as uh, the, you can get them to wear them. Um, the bottom line is that it's a cumulative effect. It's much like the risk of skin cancer 
Uh, it's often a thing that develops as a result of exposure over many, many years rather than something that you're doing uh, later on in life. So the earlier the children can be uh, protected, the less effect uh, the light rays have on the lens. If we're going to continue to compare it to sunburn and our exposure, exposing our skin to uh, UV rays and the sun, Dr. Hooper, I think sometimes on cloudy days when we're at the beach, we forget to put on our sunscreen. Cloudy days, UV rays uh, still get through, still get to us here on the ground. So talk about wearing sunglasses on a cloudy day and even in the wintertime. Exactly. The UV and the, and the blue rays are out there and uh, you need the protection all of the time. So, sorry, before, I just wanted to understand, if we can prevent the cataracts, once we have the cataracts, is there any way to prevent further vision loss? Like, I know there's surgery and whatnot. Does that actually stop the process and allow us to kind of go back to normal vision? Yeah, cataract surgery basically replaces the center part of our own lens, the part that becomes cloudy and hazy, Uh, with a man-made lens. It fits right inside what's left of our old lens and it does the focusing again. So it's a very successful surgery and uh, vision is restored. So it's it's a real success story in that respect. How quickly does a can a cataract form? Like is it something that that takes a long time or is it just one of those things that suddenly pop up like a mole out of the ground? (laughs) Um, The if you will, the most common aging form of cataract develops very slowly, but there are other types of cataract that can develop more rapidly. The most uh, well-known of these is cater- are cataracts that relate to diabetes or the use of certain medication like prednisone. These can develop in the matter of uh, a much shorter period, a couple of years. Does it matter if they're, like, what kind of sunglasses? Someone's, one of our listeners saying, what cheap versus expensive? Like, what should we be looking for? You want to block uh, all of the UVA and UVB. And um, as long as it's uh, certified that it does that, uh, you're protecting yourself. Dr. Phil Hooper, president of the Canadian Ophthalmological Society. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate this, sir. You're very welcome. Have a great day. So my buddies make fun of me because I wear sunglasses. Doesn't matter what the weather is when we're when we're golfing. I'm yes. wearing my sunglasses. Good for you. But it's but as it turns out that there's this benefit. They're golf specific sunglasses. The color that I chose actually is supposed to help reduce a certain contrast and just makes it easier to see the ball and read the greens. So I wear them all the time. I was thinking it was to control the look on your face, like so no one could see the rage behind the glasses. Like, oh, uh, like, <laughs> that's not sunglasses aren't going to hide <laughs> that. It's like a, a shield for uh, welding for that. <laughs> I need a full bubble because you can see me from across the fairway throwing my <laughs> golf clubs. <laughs> a coconut of invisibility. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Hoping to get some more details from Global's Clay Young in just a moment on this crash on Main Street. Once again, it's been closed for the last couple of hours, at least uh, two-vehicle crash. It's closed in both directions between Kilbride and Hartford. That's just south of Kildonan Park, kind of by that uh, Baraka 
uh, bakery, mm-hmm. if I'm placing that right in my head. There's a couple of bakeries there, actually. I yep. noticed that yesterday. A whole lot of people take that route in to downtown or wherever they might go for work this morning. So that's going to impact, uh, I would say, thousands of you potentially. And, of course, we're waiting for more details because there are police on the scene. They're investigating this two-vehicle crash. And, and there are people who have been taken to hospital, including officers. And so Clay Young has been down covering this for Global News Morning and CJOB and joins us now. Clay, what, what are you seeing? What can you tell us? Well, I'm in a, a back alley, uh, Loren, uh, very close to Maine in Hartford. Uh, police units uh, are everywhere here, and I'm, I'm staring over at a crumpled uh, police cruiser, and right behind the cruiser is a pickup truck, which is quite damaged, quite uh, dinged up, and it, it looks at, like it had crashed into a fence right next to an apartment. So I just got off the phone uh, with uh, Winnipeg police, the officers on the scene aren't responding, but uh, the media relations people are. And uh, this happened just after 4 o'clock. Uh, there was a collision very close to Maine and Hartford. Uh, both directions of Maine and Hartford are closed to traffic, and it's causing quite a, quite a traffic, uh, traffic mayhem, really, because um, passenger cars and vehicles are all now trying to go down the back alley to get out of this scene. But uh, apparently, uh, during the collision, um, two officers were injured. We don't believe they were seriously injured, but they have been taken to hospital. And a suspect, that's all they're identifying, a suspect involved in this incident has been taken into custody. Uh, I asked uh, the police uh, constable, Jason Michalitian, was this a high-speed chase? He said, we're still trying to sort things out. The investigation is ongoing. We hope to have things uh, sorted out a little later uh, this morning. But again, try to avoid this area, northbound Main and Hartford, in both directions, I should say, northbound and southbound, after this uh, serious collision involving a police cruiser. All right, Global News. Clay Young, thank you very much for this. We appreciate it, sir. You bet, anytime. And if we get any updates on that situation, of course, we'll let you know. And you can you can let us know at 204-780-6868. Yeah, what have you seen? Uh, what did you see? If, if you can get uh, safely pictures to us. And, of course, there's a police station in right at the end, essentially at the end of that street on Hartford Avenue in the in the heart of uh, West Kildonan. So, uh, so many, so many scenarios could have been playing out there with regard to who was involved and uh, who was responding to this situation. So uh, lots of details to be gathered for sure. Also, we are getting a lot of feedback this morning regarding a conversation we had in our previous half, half hour about cataracts and the how sunglasses, wearing sunglasses every day, can help to prevent the formation of cataracts. And uh, we got some great feedback from somebody who knows a thing or two about this. Yeah, so this came from Dr. Nelson. He's the past president of the Canadian Association of Optometrists. At 7 o'clock, we spoke to uh, the president of the Op the Mological Society. There you go. I, I was like, oh, I don't put this word. Don't put this word. <laughs> and, you know, the idea was that we talk all, a lot about, about protecting us from the sun with SPF, and we need to start thinking of our sunglasses the same way. And so that had people asking, well, what kind of protection are we looking for in our sunglasses? And he just said anything with a UVA, UVA rating, uh, as long as it says you're protected, you're good. It doesn't have to be this $100 pair. And Dr. Nelson texted in to say that was great info from Dr. Hooper on cataracts. One thing that's good for pe- pe- people to know is that UV protection is not dependent on how dark 
the lenses are. UV coating is a clear coating or property of the lens. You can have regular clear glasses that are 100% UV protective. And that's a great point because I think you often, when you go to buy them off the shelf, you look and you think, well, what's this? What's this blocking? How is this protecting? Because in your mind, you feel like it should be this like shield, you know, yeah. that nobody can see through. And that's not the case when it comes to what you're actually trying to use the glasses for, which is to keep the UV rays out. Yeah. And I think uh, all the sunglasses should have a UV rating, right? In terms of their in, their effectiveness in protecting you against the UV rays. And I would, I would, for me, if it didn't tell me that, I'm not buying those sunglasses i'm moving on but you can do else. that fairly cheaply like you can get uv oh, protected lenses no for question 20 bucks. no question about it but i would want to know for sure because if it doesn't have that uv protection when your lens is dark your pupils are larger in order to try and uh, you know gather that sunlight and so then then you have the uv lays are even there it's, it's a double jeopardy situation if i'm not mistaken mm. And, and some of our listeners have text, texted in about their cataract experience. And I just was looking and, and I had mentioned that the median wait time right now for a cataract surgery in Winnipeg is about 18 weeks, which is actually not too bad. I know some people in the audience said they've been waiting a little longer for that, six right. months or eight months. But your average, your median wait time is a little bit less. And yeah, you know, I because I lose my sunglasses so often, I'm willing to bet I have a friend listening right now who is laughing about a pair I wore to the beach about eight years ago. <laughs> you know, you're on the way to the beach, you're bringing the kids, they're little, and I think, shoot, I forgot my sunglasses. I'll just stop at this gas station in St. Pierre-Jolie and we're on our way to St. Malo and I'll buy some sunglasses. And all that was there that like that felt like they protected me was this huge pair with like rhinestone bedazzling, but just right across the top in this straight okay. line. And I show up at the beach and just right away it's like, what do we have here, Loren? What, uh, what's the situation? I was like, this is all they had. And of course, that's the one pair I haven't lost. Like they're still on the microwave at Clear Lake. And every once in a while, I like to slap those bad boys on with the pure. Like I look like I'm like a cowgirl, like Dolly Parton from 1974. Like it's... <laughs> It's a lot. <laughs> I'm pretty certain that when we did our first live show together at Portage in Maine. I had rhinestone sunglasses. No, you had SpongeBob SquarePants sunglasses that you'd retrieve from your car that I think belonged to one of your sons. That, that's oh, all yeah. you could find. For, so. for years in t- TV, I was using a Paw Patrol water bottle. Oh, really? Because I could find my own. And finally, like, I was, I'll just take one of the kids. Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol, we'll be there in the double. Whatever. I don't have that right. Before we shift gears here and okay. before we break, I just want to let folks know this. Uh, Brian at 204-780-6868 making a really good point sure. with regard to that closure on Main Street. Hey, guys, that's a busy area on Main Street. You can't use Salter as a detour because it's under construction and it's all torn up. Traffic has to go to McGregor to go south or Henderson, as said earlier, or even over to Arlington. Good luck getting to those alternate routes. So really good points there, Brian. Thank you for that. Gary's just uh, stepped out for a few moments here. So it's just Loren and I just for a couple of minutes here. And Loren, we should probably take a look at a story that we were going to speak about earlier this morning but this situation on Main Street, of course, dominating the headlines for us. But we're getting more details on recent turmoil at Manitoba Public Insurance that saw the CS CEO dismissed, the chair resign, and other executives quit. So MPI gave new details yesterday on 
The reason why the corporation's chief information and technology officer, Siddhartha Party, left his job, they say it was because the Crown Corporation would no longer pay his travel expenses to and from Ontario. So when Party was hired last year, he started his job from Winnipeg. But at some point last fall in October, he moved back to Ontario and did a long distance commute. So travel expenses associated with that commuter, along with other business trips, totaled $19,000 over the past nine months, which would be expenses you and I are paying for as taxpayers. And we're going to get your thoughts on that in a moment. But first, here's MPI Board Chair Ward Keith. Based on an arrangement that was made between this individual and the former CEO, travel costs to and from Manitoba were charged back to the company. And that was another reason why I found this not to be an acceptable arrangement. So Keith took over as board chair at MPI after his predecessor's resignation just a few weeks ago. Keith says that travel arrangement made with MPI's former CEO didn't make sense to him. So MPI asked Party to relocate to Manitoba, but he chose to resign instead. So that resignation came shortly after the departure of Chief Chief Executive Officer Eric Herbelin, who was dismissed by the board after an investigation into his workplace conduct. I can tell you that when the investigation report was received as board chair, I felt I needed to act on it immediately, and that's what I did. And the board ultimately took a decision and determined that the conduct was such that uh, the employment should be terminated for cause. And that's exactly what was done immediately following the board meeting. So there have been all sorts of issues at MPI of late, including this plan known as Project Nova. This is the new system that's supposed to make the various technology programs used by MPI better and easier to use. Costs for a balloon from $106 million to $290 million. It's also taking almost twice as long to finish. I think the timeline was supposed to be three years. It's now at five. And that's a project uh, the VP commuting from Ontario presumably would have had some say in. But he didn't leave because of that. He wasn't asked to leave either. He was just asked to commit to living here while doing the job here. So what what I want to ask this morning, Greg, when it comes to the idea of an employee being paid to do a job in Manitoba for Manitobans without living here, and more than that, charging the Crown Corp to commute back and forth, do you have a problem with that? It's pretty common. It's more common than you might think in larger corporations, especially in these parts. Uh, let's face it. If you're living in Vancouver, you're living in Toronto, Montreal, yeah, you can convince some people to move here, but you won't necessarily convince all your top talent to move to Winnipeg. And this has been for years and years now where you might have executives that that live in another city and, and come to Winnipeg, or maybe they live in Winnipeg and go to another city to work, it, the only difference here is is based on uh, the, the telling of the story here is party was living in Manitoba and then decided to move back to Ontario. So, you know, if you're hired with the understanding that that's going to be the setup and what is the allowance for that, that's one thing. But when you're changing halfway through a work commitment to say, hey, uh, I'd like to do this, uh, then maybe that's a, maybe a little bit more of a finicky situation, so to speak. <laughs> Just having a conversation about what's going on at MPI. Yeah, we shared uh, just about 15 minutes ago that news that, that there had been an executive that resigned uh, last week after he was asked to officially move to Winnipeg instead of paying for his travel expenses back and forth from Ontario. And instead of moving here, he quit. You know, one of our listeners says, this seems silly. Is there an underlying issue no one is talking about? If this IT person was worth it. It makes sense. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the head marketing person for Manitoba Lotteries from another city? There have been a number of times in the past where the government felt that there were not local talent to fulfill key roles. If that local talent wanted to live elsewhere, aren't we supposed to be about work life and making employees happy? 
This listener goes on to say, when you're talking about a multi-million dollar IT project, 19K seems like a drop in the bucket and likely worthwhile to keep the talent. Just my thoughts, they say. And yeah, I, I did that quick check. There was a liquors and lotteries executive a few years ago that had about $7,000 in flight expenses and another 12000 in accommodation expenses to go back and forth from their Calgary home. That was part of a transition agreement that often gets signed in companies, maybe not for the in perpetuity, but for the first six months of your move because there's recognition that you're going to want to go back and forth. And actually, when I moved to Israel, part of my contract, I had asked for a different amount and didn't get it. But, you know, you're doing that dance and they had offered to pay flights home, like an X number of flights home for the year. And that added up to me to be a different type of compensation. So there are things that are pretty common. I think the thing is, you know, as a rate payer, you might think, I don't want my dollars going towards that. But if they're the best person for the job and it, the commute dollars is required, Greg, I don't know. So within government, within Crown Corporations, this is, of course, going to be public information. It's public-facing information. But don't kid yourself. It happens in the in the private uh, business in this community as well and others. And uh, one of our listeners, uh, you know, <laughs> reminded me at a place where, where we worked once upon a time, we have in common that we had a couple of different executives that uh, did not live in Winnipeg, but actually uh, came to Winnipeg to work. That's just the way it is sometimes. And if you want the best people, you've got to do what you can to attract them. Feel free to continue to let us know what you think at 204-780-6868. And by the way, our question of the day at cjob.com, just looking at the question that went up yesterday afternoon, should those convicted of multiple murders or violent crimes spend their entire sentence in maximum security? And at last check, it was at 96% yes, 4% no. And then yesterday's question, is air conditioning a comfort or necessity? 66% voted necessity, 34% voted comfort. Bob Irving's going to join us at 835 to discuss this in more detail. We just wanted to sort of touch on it briefly here, Greg. And it's the the news that that not just shocked the golf world, but I think the entire sports world and even non-sports fans alike. Because of the 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 fact that this story has been a morality sort of story. The the commissioner of the PGA has made it a morality thing. At least he was doing that before, prior to yesterday, questioning the morality of the golfers who left the PGA to go to the live tour. He's at different times trotted out, spoken about, and discussed the fact that the Saudis were involved in 9-11 and how, you know, if you know anybody any families that were victims of 9-11, how could you possibly do this? How could you possibly look them in the eye? Well, here's an example of what Jay Monahan, commissioner of the PJ, was saying over the last year or so. And I would ask, you know, any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? I would ask him that very same question this morning if I could. Yeah, yeah. There's a clip. I'm not, and I'm not going to try to play it because the last time I tried to play this clip from Succession, Loren, I played the wrong clip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he, the the line from Logan Roy is "Money wins," and I'm thinking of Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Everybody's got a price, and that's what I saw yesterday. It's like, oh, thanks to the Saudis and their billions of dollars in investment, uh, we're going to unify the world of golf and advance the world of golf and. And uh, for the players to find out on Twitter that this was happening, 
Um, apparently, there was a furious meeting last night with many of the PGA players and the commissioner. So we're hoping to get some more details on that through the day. And uh, by the way, one of the people involved in Netflix's golf documentary, Full Swing, first season aired earlier this year, they tweeted, oh, you better believe we were filming when this broke. So that's going to, just from an entertainment perspective, yeah. I can't wait for that second season of Full Swing. The emotions that must be out there. And you, you're making the point about you don't have to be a golf fan or even a sports fan. It, this is, to me, like the equivalent of a company saying we're only going to do things a certain way, like a fair trade policy. And we're going to put that stamp on there. We're only going to source our product from a certain countries that have certain policies. And we're only going to do this a certain way. And we're going to be ethical and moral. And then the next day waking up and being like, except for from now going forward, we're going to change everything that we said we stood for, which is how it would feel, I think, to fans, to golfers and the people within. The face of this on the player's side, Brett, and I know I'm sure, Bob, well, I'll ask Bob if he doesn't bring it up. Rory McIlroy, mm-hmm. nobody was more the face of this, uh, stood by his convictions, could have, I'm sure, received tens of millions of dollars to go to the live tour. It's been reported Tiger Woods, even at this stage of his career, was offered $800 million to be a part of this and turned it down. So if you're one of those individuals that 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 stood your, your moral ground and your convictions and stuck to them, how are you feeling today? And what, what issues could that cause in terms of the long-term future of whatever this this new conglomerate is now paid. And and the other part of that bogs me, Brett, is that the PGA really had such a great reputation in terms of how much money they put back into the communities that they, they run these tournaments. And now people are going to look at this and go, are you really who you say you are? I don't know. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Coming up after Global News at 9, we're talking about the potential yet another rate hike. Yeah, Baking Canada will release uh, its plans, and there are some economists that think that they will uh, hike uh, the interest rate to this time around, and some people think they might hold steady, but it's because things really aren't cooling down. The housing market's not cooling down the way they thought. Inflation's not cooling the way they thought. And so will we see another rate hike? We're going to know just after nine, and then we'll speak with Royal LePage about their thoughts on whether one one coming in or it staying the same will help at all. And Greg, at 9.35, we are going to revisit the discussion that actually inspired a contest question about last second changes of plan. Yeah, we will talk to uh, the energy, the individuals, well, one of the two individuals chiefly responsible for uh, a, a couple having their... Their wedding changed successfully within 24 hours last Thursday. They found out that they were not going to be able to have their wedding at Fort Gibraltar. And within 24 hours, Sean Branson and his wife made sure that their wedding, their reception happened elsewhere and did so successfully. We'll talk about just making it work, making it happen no matter what. All right. So right now, as we learned midway through yesterday morning, the most disruptive year in golf is coming to an end. The PGA Tour and European Tour have agreed to a merger with Saudi Arabian-backed Live Golf. They're creating a commercial operation designed to unify professional golf around the world. Unify, a key word there, because this uh, split has certainly divided people, but I don't know how much this will bring them back together because a part of the agreement, all sides are immediately dropping litigation involving Live. What's still to be determined is how players who defected to the live tour can return next year. And then what this is going to look like going forward, Greg. 
Well, when it comes to this topic, one of the most outspoken people we know and in this market is our good friend, long-time broadcaster on this station, Bob Irving. Bob, good morning. Good morning, you guys. Before we jump to your reaction on this, Bob, it's my understanding that up until yesterday or until this deal gets signed, if it hasn't already been signed, the PGA, PGA has been a non-profit organization, correct? Yeah, and that's something I think, Greg, a lot of people don't know. It's always operated as a not-for-profit organization. It uh, you know, channels its funds back into charitable causes on every tournament that it hosts. And now it was declared yesterday when this stunning development occurred, and that's the only way to describe it, totally out of the blue, these two warring sides announced that they've uh, formed a partnership. Um, so, you know, I don't know where this is all going to go, but it is now a for-profit venture, the combination of the PGA Tour, the Live Tour, and the DP World Tour, which is uh, commonly recognized as the European Golf Tour. It will be a for-profit venture funded largely by Saudi Arabia and their public investment fund. And I think this is what's really causing concern among those who don't like initially what they're hearing about this is that the Saudis look like they've bought, they have purchased golf. They've purchased the PGA Tour. Uh, that might be an overreaction and a bit of a knee-jerk reaction because we're all going to have to wait and see how this plays out, what the details of it are going to be, how the tournaments will change, how this will reshape the world of golf. But uh, boy, oh boy, it was a bombshell yesterday when it came out. So perhaps we should temper some of our reactions until we have more details, Bob. But that's uh, not easy to do, particularly because how it looks at face value. And so when this came in, I know over the past year, you've been really upset about uh, what Liv has added or taken away from golf. Your well, thoughts I, going forward? No, I have been. And, I, and I'm not alone. There are many sure. in the world of golf and those closer to the game and more involved in the game than I am. Uh, who you know, hated everything about Live Golf and where the money came from. This is what bothered people, I think, more than anything else, is that it's Saudi money. Some have called it blood money. You can characterize it any way you want. Uh, you know, the Saudi atrocities and their human rights record has been terrible. It's been called sports washing. That's the term that I have used. The one question I've, I've always asked myself, and I think people need to do this as we go along, why are the Saudis doing this? Did they all of a sudden develop an interest in golf? Does the crown prince decide, you know, he now loves the game of golf? They've invested in Formula One racing. Why would they do that? Well, you know, it's not to make a profit. It's to enhance their image with the rest of the world. At least that's my take on it and the take of many others as well. So now that they're heavily invested in golf in a North American level, they ran their tournaments and live and they had really it lacked relevance. I mean, live had not taken off and been successful in any way you know, their matches or their tournaments are televised on something called CW. Their audiences are virtually nil and so they were going nowhere. Live Golf was going nowhere, except they had been disruptive to the golf ecosystem, which would be the PGA Tour. And I guess the PGA Tour decided that this was a battle that going forward, it wasn't worth fighting anymore, simply because of the resources and the money that Saudi Arabia is prepared to put into it. And so they've decided to have this uneasy truce, I guess, as I could call it, and uh, you know, where it goes from here, we'll see. Will, will the structure of the tournaments change? Will there still be a Ryder Cup? 
Will Liv insist on a team concept in some of the tournaments? Will Liv just disappear? And the PGA Tour in 2024 will run like it always has with a tournament every week, the Colonial, the Jack Nicholas Memorial, the Tournament of Champions in Hawaii, or will all this be turned upside down? So there are just so many unanswered questions, and this is what I think has bothered the players on the PGA Tour. First of all, none of them knew anything about this. This was all done in secret, and it came out yesterday because CNBC uh, got wind of it and broke the story. Uh, How will it impact on these tournaments going forward? None of us know the answers to these questions. I presume that the PGA Tour and Liv and the Saudis have uh, all this stuff nailed down, but uh, nobody knows right now. The PG, yeah, you meant you referenced the players had no idea. A lot of them found out on social media. I think it was Colin Morikawa who said, uh, it's great to find out big news like this on Twitter. But they did, a lot of the players, the tour players, had a meeting last night with Commissioner Jay Monahan. Any idea how that went? Well, again, most of them said that uh, they were confused in terms of how this is going to look going forward. So they were, a lot of them were very angry, obviously, that they didn't know anything about this because the PGA Tour essentially is supposed to be run by the players, right? Uh, but there is a CEO, and that's Jay Monahan. There is a board of directors, and they did this negotiation in secret. And the, the reason they did, as they explained it or tried to justify it, is you know if you start telling people, then it leaks, and you can't really get anything done because you know there's just too many people who know about what's going on. So the players were were upset, they were angry, but Jay Monahan, who is the commissioner of the PGA Tour, has assured them all, or tried to assure them all, that at the end end of the day at the end of the day fellas there will be more money in your pockets and that will be saudi money whether you like it or not and you're just going to have to deal with that and i one of the uh, golf analysts on golf channel and i watch it a lot brandel shambly is one he's very outspoken against this Eamon lynch is another he summed it up by simply saying morality does not trump money In other words, money rules the day, and the PGA Tour players, as much as they might be angry now about the way this thing has unfolded, there's going to be a lot more money on the table at the tournaments going forward, and I guess that's supposed to make everybody feel good about this. But some of them could have left for more money. And And didn't. And and didn't. And that's the whole... So now they're sort of being forced... No no one's forced into taking more money, I suppose, but that's kind of what's happening. Well, sure. And, you know, one of the players said Hideki Matsuyama is one of the great players in golf today. He's from Japan. Uh, He was offered $300 million to join the Live Tour, turned it down. After the Memorial Tournament last weekend in Dublin, Ohio, he was seen getting on a Spirit Airlines plane to fly wherever he was flying next. And one of the players on the PGA Tour said, geez, if he'd taken the Live money, he he would own Spirit Airlines. Uh, Rory McIlroy was offered apparently $500 million. Tiger Woods was offered close to a billion dollars. There was a young player, Will Zalatoris, on the PGA Tour, who uh, just months ago was offered many millions to, to join Liv, and he turned it down. He said, I don't want their bucket of money. I don't like what they stand for. So there's a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of animosity, Loren, a lot of anger, a lot of, uh, I don't even know how to describe it as this goes forward. But yes, there are many players who stayed loyal to the PGA Tour who could have gone for multi-millions of dollars and now will be saying, you know, why did I take this stance? Why did I do this? Because we have hypocritically, we being the PGA 
PGA Tour. We have hypocritically decided we're going to team up with the Saudis. I don't know how Jay Monahan even looks Rory McIlroy in the eyes at that PGA meeting and and henceforth. Uh, Bob, we got to let you run here. LPGA has been not mentioned at all in this. Any any idea if, if they're getting caught up in this at all? Well, you know, all of the golf organizations, LPGA, the DP World Tour, the USGA, all came out with statements yesterday saying that they thought this, in the larger picture, would be good for the future of golf. There was some talk about a year ago that Liv would uh, get involved with the LPGA, but that never came to pass. But most of the golf organizations have approached this whole merger with an open mind, saying that there will be no more warring in golf, which wasn't good for anybody. And perhaps as we go forward, this will be positive. And perhaps as we go forward, this will look better, because, again, there are just so much so many details about this that we don't know we do know we love talking to you about this bob thank you very much for joining us we appreciate it i could go on forever about this we've (laughs) only touched on a few points but i appreciate the time because as you guys know i'm really into golf forget the netflix show i want a show where bob watches this news conference explaining how this is going to go down and it's just a straight face shot of his reactions We've never seen anything like this in the world of golf. Never. This has turned the world of golf upside down. And they uh, maybe you saw, Bob, that uh, one of the people involved in the Netflix documentary, Full Swing, uh, said that you better believe we were filming when this broke. So that should make for an exciting second season whenever that comes out. Oh, isn't that the truth? Yeah. All right. Bob Irving joining us live on 680 CJOB. He also had some thoughts to share with Christian O'Mell on the sports show last night. So if you want to listen to that, you can find that in the sports show podcast at CJOB.com. It's Mackling McGarry and McNabb. How do you deal with last second changes in plan for a chance to win bomber tickets for Friday's game against Hamilton? What does Kevin say? My wife and I were on a trip to Deadwood, South Dakota, so we stopped to eat in Chamberlain to get a bite to eat and get some gas. Well, a highway trooper saw we were from out of town and asked where we were going. Told her to Deadwood. No, you're not, she said. There's a blizzard going on and you can't get past Pierre. They got over three feet in some areas. 100,000 cattle died, buried by snow. Oh, wow. Anyway, we turned uh, to go back to Sioux Falls, hit the city casino across the river in Iowa. Anyway, as we were unloading, car sirens were going off. I asked the front desk uh, people who were rushing around. A tornado was hitting just 12 miles from the hotel. So back to Sioux Falls and finally found a hotel there. What a trip. Crazy. So from a snowstorm to a tornado in half a state. Wow, Kevin, that is nuts. And then we had one from um, David, who says in 2016, my wife set up a last-minute photo shoot at St. Vitale Park right around right around this time of year, early summer. And I had been trying to figure out for a few weeks how I was going to propose to her and find the right time to do it. Well, with 24 hours' notice, I contacted the photographer, and I planned it all out with her on how we are going to make it happen which ended up being an awesome experience because my wife had no idea. She thought she was being punked that my proposal wasn't really happening. She kept saying, where is Ashton Kutcher? For those who might remember the television show, <laughs> punked. So that's cute, David, and congratulations. Uh, David, uh, who was once referred to by Jim Toth as Mr. Honeymoon for other stories that he has shared over the years. Um, Loren Tom Begsy also with a good runner-up. 
Crazy story. In 2001, my now ex-wife and I started to build our dream home across the street from our existing home. Every day for three months, I left my home and the workers were busy building. Every day until one day, they just didn't show up. Our builder had declared bankruptcy. We had fra- we had a framed swimming pool. To make matters worse, our house was sold overnight with a three-month closing date and my wife was five months pregnant. Oh boy. Stressful, yes, Tom says. The trades wanted to be paid. The mortgage lender pulled the mortgage loan and all was chaotic. We found a project manager, paid the trades, moved in three hours before the new owner's moving truck arrived. <laughs> Beautiful home with lots of memories. Yeah, Tom's a former restaurant guy, so of course he got it done. Yeah? Yeah, he knew how to work under pressure. Oh, boy. And uh, But our winner is Jason L. What does Jason have for us? So while we were at the table signing the marriage certificate, <clears throat> she's leaning over. Her long hair, which is full of hair product, catches on fire. And she does not notice this at first. The whole church is just gasping as her hair is starting to go uh, and is engulfed in this massive flame. Finally, she noticed, puts it out. She's okay, but I tell you, that place stunk really bad. <laughs> oh, burnt hair. So this is this is, this is is Jason's uh, bride. Is yep. this his... Pardon me, I, I left a part out of there. It's I botched the, the ball here. It was, it was just, at my, my wedding, my sister's hair caught on fire with one of the candle, candles when we were signing our marriage papers. I need the after picture because you usually don't take tons of pictures until after. So what was the bridesmaid's hair looking like? <laughs> Probably maybe they started a new style. But don't, I, you know what? I should just walk that back. I don't want to suggest that I'm condoning at all the burning of hair to try a new fashion. Trend. I burnt my hair with the straightener uh, in Spain years ago because of the voltage was different and I had plugged it in and forgot. And as soon as I put it on top of my hair, it just took the whole piece and shriveled it. No. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And we were like on this vacation with my friend and sister and I had wore a scarf around my head for like five days. All my pictures is just me like. Miserable with his bad hair. (laughs) Jason, congratulations. You're going to the Bomber game this Friday night to watch the Bombers open the season against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's 19 degrees outside 680 CJOB. Hello there, Brett. It's like my brain just stopped. What'd you say? It was like 680 CJOB. I don't know. I always laugh of when I first, it's now been almost five years, but one of my first weeks and I yeah. tried to throw out the number. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. It was early in the morning. I was like, give us your feedback. Seven, eight, nine, four, four. I was like, I, I don't even know what the, I just started yelling out numbers. <laughs> I almost gave out my cell phone number on the air one morning when we were oh, talking yeah? about something. I went down that road. That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. Used to have uh, uh, someone that worked for me at Earl's once upon a time, caught them answering the phone one evening. Uh, good evening. Uh, this is uh, the keg, uh, Gary Street. How may I help you? You don't work at the keg anymore. <laughs> you came to the dark side. Okay. Answer the phone correctly. <laughs> when you say I love you to someone, like a random cashier. Yep. All right. Thanks. Love you. Oh, sorry. Well, I do. You do great work. You're awesome. <laughs> uh, before we expand on the story we've been discussing this morning, and that's the wedding that uh, needed a last-minute relocation, just on the subject of travel numbers that we were discussing in our previous half hour, what does uh, loyal listener Greg say? Yes, yeah, as I can confirm, business travel is back with an exclamation mark. Just flew to Calgary yesterday. The plane was packed. Calgary Airport was a zoo, and rental cars were sold out. But I can tell you also hotel prices and restaurant prices are off 
the charts, but doesn't seem to be stopping anyone. Okay, you can continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868. Right now we want to talk about how a Winnipeg couple celebrated a perfect wedding despite a last-minute relocation. So after learning that their dream venue couldn't host their wedding after the incident at Fort Gibraltar last week, this couple had really less than 24 hours to find something new. We get more from Kevin Hirschfield. Jeff Sinok and Desiree Penner were supposed to get married at Fort Gibraltar last week, but after that collapse of a platform that left 17 students and one adult injured, the city forced all events at that venue to be cancelled. So Sinok and Penner were among the many affected by sudden changes in their plans. But Sinok says the team behind Gibraltar Dining Corporation rose to the challenge and organized their wedding from scratch. I don't think they slept for a couple days straight just to accommodate, just to make sure that our wedding was going to be what we wanted it to be. And all along, that they never panicked. They even said to us several times, You're, you will have a wedding, it's going to be good. We will make it good for you. Sean Branson of the aforementioned Gibraltar Dining Corporation joins us now. Sean, good morning. Good morning. How much are you sleeping these days? Well, Connie and I are still doing a lot of 17-hour days. We make sure that we kind of end our day with uh, watching a little bit of TV, fall asleep. But, uh, you know, our priority is our, our clients, uh, our, our employees, and and, uh, and then our, our company, uh, thirdly. Talk about the idea of getting things done no matter the circumstance. As, as I think you know, I, I'm a long time, was a long time restaurant hospitality guy. And there's yeah. just something, you know, for a lot of us, uh, no matter the industry you work in, there's that idea of we just got to get this done no matter what the circumstances. How much of that is is uh, is learned? How much of that is in your DNA, do you suspect? Well, I think being in, in the hospitality industry, uh, certainly uh, customer services uh, form out mount. Uh, you want to make sure that you take care of people. Uh, we always have the adage in, in, in our companies over the last 30 years is, you know, when you make your customers happy and they're the best advertising that you can that you can do, they, they're going to be talking about you, and and they're going to be uh, recommending you. They're going to be coming to your to your facility. So, uh, customer service is, is incredibly important, and you learn a lot of things on the fly. Uh, never would have imagined something like this would happen, even going through COVID and everything. This was just a, a bit of a nightmare. I can only imagine, Sean, and you know, it's about crisis management and how you respond in that moment that might keep customers with you or, or have them recommending you to come back. And so I'm curious, you know, that wedding that we talked about and this couple being happy with the results, regardless of the change in venue, you know, they had 24 hours notice. How many other people have you had to make that phone call to? Are, are you looking at this on a week to week basis or have things been canceled for all of June or July? Well, so when the, when the, when the accident happened, uh, we, we thought, uh, okay, we, we need to plan for, hope for the best, plan for the worst as far as for the events. And, and, and certainly we, we were very upset that it happened and, and you know, we're very sad for, for the accident. But we said, okay, this shouldn't affect us because it's not our leased premises. We lease uh, the, for the last 12 years the Fort Gibraltar area. Uh, and it, it is very, it's far away from, from the actual facility. So it's on the on the palisade, which is on the other side. So we thought, okay, we should be okay. They should cordon that area off. But then on Thursday, we found out that they're closing the entire venue, and so we just had the uh, 24 hours to 
set up a temporary kitchen set the whole thing uh we had um, we notified everyone in june and july and, and we're um finding alternatives we we reached out to the community uh the hospitality community tried to find out everyone's availability we had we have over 30 places with their availabilities to to have people find homes but we also uh have a we've catered at St. Norbert's Arts Centre, which is a hundred-year-old uh, Trappist monastery just outside the city, and we knew that they had an open kitchen. So we moved both Friday's wedding uh, uh, for a hundred people and uh, plated four-course uh, meal for 110 um, to the St. Norbert Arts Centre, and, and we were now trying to accommodate as many of our clients at uh, the Arts Centre as we can. It's a beautiful venue, and uh, we're lucky to have that. Uh, you know, it was like option. There's so many options that we went through our minds after the accident. So for the for the June and July, you're talking about the idea that, I mean, you use this facility for events and, and Fort Gibraltar itself, a festival runs this facility. They've been told to bring in mm-hmm. other engineers and that's their responsibility to see how they're going to get this place up back up and running. But in the meantime, you're kind of in limbo, I, I would guess. You don't have a firm deadline. So are you just choosing to, to change events change venues for brides and grooms for the next six weeks just in case sean or is it we're giving yeah we're giving everyone options okay. like we just we thought you know uh handle uh, june and july look at everyone's availabilities like uh, there's there's been uh, uh people who've been sent to the gates uh to the cinnaboying park conservancy to saint boniface um uh, golf course. There's a lot of places um, um, that we've been sending to and giving availabilities. But I mean, our, our goal is to, to honor what we've uh, what we've uh, committed to the clients. Just at, at the different venue, uh, St. Norbert Arts Center has got a beautiful indoor outdoor feel. Uh, it's got the history. It's, we can pretty much do everything there except for hatchet throwing um, and the musket salute, which is sort of historical things, but big games and a big huge fire pit and all those things. We can do that there. So. Uh, we're just giving people options. So, in, you, and you sort of touched on it here in terms of your, your what you feel obligated to do for your clients. But, but what is the actual obligation for clients who hire Gibraltar Dining for an event at the fort? Is it in the contract that you find another venue and make it happen? Should something no. go awry? This is we're trying. So, with with COVID, we were able to uh, post everything was closed down, so we were able to you know, postpone everything and move it, move it back. Uh, you know, everything was shut down right now. It, it's just hit that site. So, you know, we are trying to find accommodations. We're willing to move their events uh, to a future date. Um, and then uh, we're also ret- returning deposits if we can't, uh, returning retainers if we can't accommodate them. But uh, most people were, were able to accommodate at St. Norbert or the only challenge is that Fort Gibraltar is 140 people accommodation. We're, we're at 103 um, or sorry, 110 for, uh, for uh, um, St. Norbert. So that's, that's the challenge. It's a smaller venue, but it's, yeah. I could have used 32 less people at my wedding. So I I sort of wish this would have happened. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Everybody that that was at my wedding, I I was happy. I was happy to have you all. But Sean, um, Friday weddings, I think this wedding in question, the one that we featured on Global News and the one we've been speaking about and and reached out to you about, took place on a Friday. Loren went down east. I think you were just at a Friday wedding. Friday wedding, wedding, yep. Uh, uh, How popular have have alternate days become for for weddings and have they become even more necessary as you sort of try and get through this backlog of of weddings that were were paused or postponed during the pandemic 
Yeah, well, I mean, Fort Gibraltar, we, we built it over the last 12 years, and it's a busy venue. We we do 60 weddings a, a year, uh, so if you work out how many Saturdays there are in the year, there's going to be some weddings on Fridays, there's going to be weddings on Sunday. We're pretty much, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every weekend. Uh, so, I mean, it's uh, it's it's commonplace. Uh, it certainly was after COVID ended, and, and there was a huge uh, uh, demand for, for, you know, having weddings uh, once things reopened up again. But it's always been, uh, Fridays are, are, are really, really nice, uh, uh, you know, and, and Sundays are, are, are an option as well. I know it's not easy, and if, if I was uh, planning my own wedding and having a sudden change, I would be stressed for sure. But I also said this morning, listening to that couple's story, that it becomes part of the story. And sometimes there's a way to – it's easier said than done, but to, for, for, for the brides and grooms and the couples that are getting married out there to just think to themselves, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll laugh at this someday maybe. Yeah. Well, and that's the key uh, to – and I'm not – I'm not saying that we're the, we're the greatest or whatever, but we have 30 years experience mm-hmm. and, and Connie is amazing at what she does. And to be honest, uh, we don't know. When we read that article, we, we were uh, actually driving to, uh, um, say, Norbert, and we just, you know, started crying, you know, on the perimeter highway driving out there to try to do another truckload of, uh, of, uh, of stuff uh, to for our Saturday for our next wedding. So um, it, it's... Uh, it's hard, but it's also rewarding to see stuff like that because we do try hard and, and we are trying to do the best we can for our clients because we could just sit back and not do anything, but we feel we're obligated, you know, contract or anything. We want to make their special day happen. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important. It's, uh, yeah, it is. Sean Branson of Gibraltar Dining Corporation. Certainly everyone involved appreciates the the efforts that you're putting in. So thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your day to join us to talk about it. Yeah, thank you very much. Sean Branson joining us live on 680 CJOB, one of the nicest guys I've ever met, no doubt on display in what we just heard there.